Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. All right. If, uh, if I could get that uh, table, please, uh, since I got both hands full. Uh... Amen. We're going to dig in today and, and see what the Lord has to say to us and and, uh, you know, I know that, that uh, going on to maturity, growing up, is not always fun. Wasn't fun in the natural, you know, wasn't, wasn't fun uh, uh, when I was a kid growing up. I mean, I, I had fun, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the growing up part wasn't real fun. Because one day, you know, uh, I thought, I thought school was tough, and then I found out I had to get up and go to work. And, uh, you know, so uh, growing up sometimes is not a real fun thing. It's not real fun in, in, in spiritual matters either sometimes. But the, the fruit of growing up, the, the result of growing up can be amazing. Praise God. And so we have been dealing with this issue of growing up. We, we, we talked about, um, you know, the, the words of our mouth and what role that had in, in growing up and in maturing. And, um, you know, we have been looking now for, uh, started last week talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how important the fruit of the Spirit is um, to growing up. Let me begin today with 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And we're going to look at verse number 1 here. And if you've got your Bible uh, on your phone or on, on your tablet or uh, if you've got a, a print version of the Bible, what, whatever Bible you're using today, get it out, get it ready. Because... Uh, you know, if you've, if you've been around any amount of time and you've listened to me minister the Word uh, very often, you know that I'm going to give you scriptures. And you need to look those up. Don't just take my word for it. Look them up and read those scriptures and read what they have to say. Read the scriptures around that. Make notes. You know, my pastor uh, and, and mentor used to always say this, a a uh, short pencil is better than a long memory. And, uh, uh, you know, write those things down. He, he would always encourage us, don't ever come to church without, not, without your Bible, but don't ever come to church without a notebook. You know, some way that you can make notes. And I, I realize that today you got all of that in your hand. 
uh, on a little phone, and, and that's okay. Uh, there's no problem with that. And one thing that we have done to help you out, Pastor Jason mentioned the QR code. Will you see one up there right now? Uh, if you uh, use the camera on your phone uh, and take a picture of that QR code, then you will have to follow the instructions to go to it. But, but that will take you to a place that brings my notes, what I've got on here, it brings that up on, on your phone. And uh, uh, this is something that, that uh, I've had several people that requested uh, my notes. And I don't mind sharing those with you, although I will give you a disclaimer, I don't follow them very well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm glad for you to have them and I'm glad for you to study them, but I don't always stick with my notes very well. But, uh, but anyway, if you will go there and, and uh, you can have those notes and have them available to you, praise God, to, to follow along with. But um, as we're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how many know what 1 Corinthians 13 <coughs> is commonly referred to? The love chapter, yes. Praise God. And so we're going to look at this. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. But um, if the fruit of the Spirit is love, then we need to find out what love is. Praise God. And... Um, here in, in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, he begins by saying this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, Josiah is an amazing drummer, but if Josiah just uh, gets hung up on that cymbal and just beats the, the crud out of that cymbal, and that's, we just have a cymbal solo, you're going to be screaming, Josiah, stop, you know, because it just becomes annoying. And so um, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, speaking with the tongues of men and of angels, that would fall into the category of, of spiritual gifts. And he says, though I speak, Though I'm speaking with tongues, though I'm operating in the gift of tongues, but if I don't have love to go with that, or I should say it this way, if I am not motivated by love, and if, if what I'm doing is not out of a motive or a heart of love, then, he says, I have just become annoying. Now, uh, you know, sometimes people, uh, they, they, they want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And we, we desire to have the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our church. But let me tell you some things about the gifts of the Spirit. First of all, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are primarily even not even for operation within the church. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong because the, the Apostle Paul spends a considerable, spends an entire uh, uh, chapter, the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, talking about how to orderly operate 
in the gifts of the Spirit in the church setting, in the congregational setting. And, and there is an order that things should be done in. But the gifts of the Spirit were primarily given to reach the world. Now, I'm thankful when gifts of healings flow in the church. I'm thankful for when the gift of prophecy flows, when tongues, interpretation, when, when these gifts of the Spirit operate within the church. I'm thankful for that, and it's beneficial to us. And, and the Apostle Paul says that, that the whole church should be edified by the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And, but but primarily they are for the purpose of reaching the world. But here he says, even if I operate in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if my motive is not love, he says, I have just become a noise, an annoying Noise. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. See, what, the, what he's talking about here is that the gifts of the Spirit, um, you know, the, the, they are a more spectacular thing than the fruit of the Spirit. But if I have gifts but no fruit, then I've just become annoying. Now, let's go on. Let's read the rest of verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, let me tell you this, that, that there has been much emphasis placed on the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit but there's been very little talk about the, the connection between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, as we said, is love. Now, here, here in 1 Corinthians, if we go to the 8th chapter, verse number 1 says this, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. And then he says this, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And the word edifies means builds up. So we can say it this way, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So here is the problem, and we've been talking, I, I, I keep re referring to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And the writer of Hebrews deals with this issue of growing up and maturing, of, of not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of, of the doctrines of baptisms. And, and you know, and he, he talks about this. He says, let us not lay again these foundations, but let's go on to maturity. 
And in that passage of Scripture, in that sixth chapter of Hebrews, he talks about going on to the place where we are functioning and operating in the powers of the age to come. In other words, we've got to grow up into this place. He says if, if uh, a piece of ground, he says if, if this, uh, this plot of land or this piece of ground, if it produces nothing but briars and thorns, he says then, then it's good for nothing but to be burned. In other words, the works that come are, are, are good for nothing but to be burned. And so it, it ties directly in here to what the Apostle Paul is talking about, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. If there's no fruit of the Spirit, then the works that come from it are only good to be burned to be cast into the fire. But he says, if your works survive the fire, it will be because they are uh, of gold and silver and precious stones. He said, but if they're wood, hay, and stubble, then they're only good to be burned up. We want works that endure, praise God. We want works that are good for reaching the world. See, because Jesus left us here, and when he went away, he left us a commission, and that is to reach this world with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus. Praise God. And he left us gifts that are tools to be used in reaching the world. Praise God. But let's, let's look here. Knowledge puffs up. All right. Though I may speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I have only become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. So when we're dealing with this issue of growing up into Christ, we want to get beyond this place of just being annoying with the gifts. Now, here's the thing. Though I may have one of the, one of the nine gifts that the Apostle Paul lists in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians is the word of knowledge. And that is knowledge that we, uh, that Holy Spirit shares with us uh, and it's, it's knowledge that we could not have any other way except by the Holy Spirit. Now, he knows all things, praise God. And he sometimes will choose to give us pieces of what he knows. Now, don't, don't make this mistake that he tells us everything he knows. No, he, he shares with us pieces of or a word of what he knows, praise God. And he gives us that information for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is somehow not to make me look good, not to make the person who, who has that word of knowledge look good, but it is for the purpose of drawing someone to Jesus. It is for the purpose of meeting someone's need that they may have in their life. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been on, on the receiving end of a word of knowledge. Sometimes, you know, God will speak a word that will confirm that God is aware of your situation, that he knows what's going on in your life, and he wants to minister to and meet your need. You know, uh, just, just an example, sometimes the, the Spirit of God will share that he is doing something specific in a person's life and in ministering healing to someone, and he may call out what, it, what he's healing someone of. And the reason for that is not just to show off the person who is operating in it, but the reason for it is so that you know that God knows what's going on in your life. But if I don't have the fruit of love operating in my life first, you see, then many people, here, here's the problem, many people just want to have a, a word of knowledge so they can have information about your business. Now, if we don't have the fruit of love, then we can just become a busybody. We can just become a gossip. You know, we, we can become, you know, I, well, the Lord told me this about you. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord gave me inside information about you. And we can use that, or I should say misuse that, or abuse that. And if you say, well, well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't give you information like that. Well, if not, then why do we have these instructions? Yeah, and if it's not possible to abuse or misuse spiritual gifts, then why would we have these instructions? We have these instructions because people have misused the word of knowledge. People have misused the word of wisdom. You know, now I, I, I'll tell you this, that if you do it very long, then you'll stop getting words of wisdom and word of knowledge. You know, if you continue to do that, then God will, will stop sharing those things with you. But, yes, it is possible. You know, I've had the Lord tell me things about people and, to, and tell me those things so I could pray more effectively for that person. But if I don't have the fruit of love then I could go telling everybody else about what's going on in your life too when the Lord shares those things with me. And so, you know, one thing that I, I am very concerned about people that always want to expose something. Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Praise God. Love covers a multitude of sin. Praise God. Now, let's, let's look at this. Knowledge puffs up. And many times when people begin to function in spiritual 
giftings, then they begin to think it's because they are something special. You see, God doesn't give me a word of knowledge because I need I need him to give me a word of knowledge or I need him to use me in spiritual gifts. No, he gives me a word of knowledge because you need a word of knowledge. Because the recipient of that word of knowledge needs a word of knowledge. Not because I need to give a word of knowledge. Praise God. Do, do you see that? And we heard so much talked about, well, if you want God to use you, well, it's not about wanting God to use me. Yes, I want to be available for God to use, but the objective is the person that is on the receiving end of that, praise God, to, that their needs be met and that they be ministered to, praise God. And if I don't have the fruit of love, then that end result is not going to be there. Now, look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Why would Paul say this? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love, that's fruit, and desire spiritual gifts. Yes, we desire spiritual gifts, but not to draw attention to ourselves. You see... Uh, several years ago, I began to realize that, um, you know, that, that, that people sometimes, at, at being a pastor and being on a platform and being, you know, uh, in a position that I would call people forward in a healing line or in a prayer line, and I began to realize that, you know, that many times people would come in a prayer line looking to me to receive something. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. They would, I would call them forward in a prayer line to receive, if you need healing, and we did this every week. We used to do this all the time. And I would call people forward. If you need healing in your body, come forward. And I began to feel that when they came, they were looking to receive something from me instead of Jesus. And I began to realize that they weren't looking to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying nobody was, you know, because, you know, but I'm saying that there were many people that came in a prayer line looking for me to heal them. In fact, I, I heard people say things like this, the, and, and I heard this comment on several occasions. You, you know, someone would say, well, you saved me back two years ago or, or three years ago when I came forward and you saved me. That grieved my heart. Because I didn't save anybody. Jesus saved you. Well, you know, you healed me. Well, Jesus healed you. 
it grieved my heart that people were looking to me. And so I made a decision back then that I would never, ever again draw people's attention. And I, I didn't do it intending to draw people's attention to me. But it happened nonetheless. Even though I didn't intend to draw people to me, yet for some reason there was a misunderstanding and they were looking to me to save them. They were looking for me to heal them. And so I said, Lord, you know, from now on, I'm going to avoid anything that draws attention to me because I want to draw people's attention to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You know, do I ever lay hands on the sick? Yes. Yes, I do. And yes, I will. You know, but for the most part, I'm going to avoid those situations where you begin to look at me as the healer and you, because I want you to focus on the fact that Jesus is the healer. Praise God. And while there is scripture that says, you know, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, I could point you to that, that passage of scripture in Mark chapter 16. I know that as well as anybody. It's there. I know that. I practiced that. I did that. But, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't do that. But I'm saying I want your focus to be on Jesus because it's not about me. And love edifies. Love builds up. Love is about you, the recipient. Praise God. And you're going to receive much more if you look to Jesus than if you look to me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here he says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, you know, you say, well, Pastor, then why did you ever do that? Well, I did it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I did it because, you know, I came up in the ministry seeing that always done that way. And there are many men of God that I don't question their their sincerity. I don't question their, you know, uh, their ministry. I don't question the way they do things. That's not any of my business. But when it comes to me, it is my business. When it comes to them, I would never say they're wrong to do that. That's not a... That's not my business. That's between them and the Lord, how they minister. But it's totally my business when it comes to how I do things and my relationship with the Lord. And I never, ever, ever want to draw people's attention to me. I didn't save you. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus paid for your sins. Jesus bore your sickness and your disease and your pain. I am a minister. Minister means that I am a servant. People don't understand that many times, that ministry means servant. 
They want to be in ministry, be in ministry, be in ministry. But being in ministry means that you are a servant. And so as a servant, I am a servant to you for the Lord. Praise God. Because he wants to minister to you and he wants to administer healing to your bodies. He wants to save you. He wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. But he needs a, a human instrument to do that through. And I am just a servant of the Lord for and to you. Praise God. And so I want to administer, as a minister, I want to administer what Jesus wants to do for you. Praise God. But I don't want to ever draw attention as if I went to the cross for you, as if I did something for you. Because Jesus is the one that already did it all. And if I can draw your attention to him and your focus to him, then you're going to be more apt to receive what you need from him than if you're looking at me to do it. <laughs> Praise God. Now, sometimes people don't understand that. They think, well, a pastor don't believe in laying on hands. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But I also believe there's other ways to do things. Praise God. Well, pastor don't believe in this. Pastor don't. No. I've changed the way I do some things, not because I don't believe in those things anymore, but because I want you to look to Jesus as the source of your help. And I want to get your focus on him and off of me. Praise God. Because, see, I know me. I know that I fail, but he never fails. I know that my strength, I, see, I realize that he is the vine. I'm just a branch. Praise God. Praise God. Now, it says pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. See, the thing is, if I pursue love and I begin to function in the love of God, then did, did you realize that the, the scriptures tell us on several occasions Jesus was moved with compassion. And then he met their need. He was moved with compassion and then he healed their sick. Praise God. So this is why we pursue love. And if we pursue love and we begin to function and operate in the love of God, then the needs will get met. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus operated in the fruit of of the Spirit first. And the, because of the fruit of the Spirit in his life, then the gifts of the Spirit could flow unobstructed and could flow the way they were supposed to flow. If we want to come to the point 
that Hebrews 6 talks about where we function in the powers of the age to come, we have to get over ourselves. Now, maybe I overkill a little bit because I've done it wrong, so I want to go to the, maybe maybe you could say you go to the extreme the other way. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe I do. But the fact is, I love you, and I want your needs to be met, and your needs are going to be met most effectively when you look to Jesus instead of looking to me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 4. Look at this. Or verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. He was moved with compassion, fruit first, and he healed their sick gifts. Praise God. Now in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as you... As you uh, As the branch, I was skipping a line there, and it was not making sense. Um, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now, look at this. Jump down to, or or just, well, let's continue. We don't need to jump down. We just need to continue. The seventh verse of that 15th chapter of John. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, here's what this looks like on the surface. It looks like, well, if you bear much fruit, my Father is... uh, then you can ask what you will, and it will be done. Let me just read that again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. All right, we've, we thought that was the most important thing, asking what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But how many know that sentence structures for English speakers and sentence structures for most other languages are just the opposite of one another sometimes. 
Some of you speak English and Spanish. And, because, and, and the sentence structure it seems to, I mean, really, English is the one that's backwards. Now, it seems right to me because I'm an English speaker. But, but to a Spanish speaker, it seems like English is backwards. Now, as I begin to look at this passage in John 15, verses 7 and 8, that we just read, I began to see that the sentence structure here was backwards to an English speaker. Now, let me tell you how this, what, what this is really saying to you. This, this is my paraphrase. Is that okay? All right. If you are my disciples abiding in me and my words abiding in you, See, that's what it means to be his disciple is that, that you abide in him and his words abide in you. Disciple means a disciplined learner. So he says, if you are my disciples abiding in me and my words abiding in you, you will bear much fruit by which my Father is glorified. See, we thought the Father was glorified when we asked and got stuff from him. We thought that's what glorified the Father. But here's what really glorifies the Father is that we bear much fruit. That we bear much fruit. By this, my Father is glorified, by you bearing much fruit. And when my Father is glorified... You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So get this. Here's the thing. When we abide in his word, and his word abides in us, then we bear much fruit. Why? Because the seed is the word, right? The seed is the word. So if we abide in the seed of the word of God and the seed of the word of God abides in us and the word abide means that we stay or remain that means it doesn't mean you read your bible once a week when you come to church it means you live there it means that, that you stay there that you dwell there you are there continually if you abide in me and my words abide in you then you will bear much fruit why because the seed of the word of god begins to produce fruit in your life and the fruit is what love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faithfulness meekness Temperance, this is the fruit of the Spirit, and you begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life because you are in the Word, and the Word is in you. And when you begin to bear much fruit, the Father is glorified by that fruit. And when the Father is glorified by the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then... You can ask the Father for whatever you desire. You see, that, 
I, I had people back in the early days when I first began to get a hold of, uh, of, of the principles of faith. Well, you know, I just don't think you can just go around asking just for whatever you want. We see, when you understand this verse like I just explained it to you, that eliminates that. That eliminates that whole issue. Because when you're bearing fruit, he says, then he is glorified by the fruit that you are bearing. And therefore, see, what does it mean that he's glorified? Well, Jesus glorified the Father in everything that he did. And what did Jesus say? The Bible says of Jesus, he was the express image of the Father. He looked, he said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus looked exactly like the Father. So if he looked exactly like the Father, and the Father was glorified by that, praise God. When I look like my Father, my Father is glorified by that. Praise God. And when I am looking like him, there is not a chance that I am going to be asking amiss. There is not a chance that I am going to be asking to consume it upon my lust. There is not a chance that I am going to be asking to try to make me look good because the fruit in my life is already saying that it's not about me, it's about him, praise God. So there is no chance that I'm going to be asking with a wrong motive. There is no chance that I'm going to be trying to promote myself. I am going to be pointing to Jesus all the way. And that's because there is fruit in my life, praise God. And I am going to be asking, not because I want to make me look good, but because I want you to be healed. Praise God. So when my Father is glorified, then it will come to pass in my life, as it was in Jesus' life, when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and Martha came out and she said, if Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask the Father, he'll give it to you. Praise God. And Jesus just said, if you're bearing much fruit in your life, Father's glorified. And if Father is glorified, if you're looking like him, so he's glorified by that, he says, now you can ask whatever you will. Whatever you will. Whatever who wills, you will. Notice he didn't say you can ask whatever God wills. No, he said you can ask whatever you will. And it will be done for you. Do you realize that Jesus had such a relationship with the Father that when he was praying at the tomb of, uh, of uh, um, not, not at the tomb, but when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross to suffer, he said, I could ask my Father and he would send 12 legions of angels to deliver me. Well, what was the Father's will? The Father's will was for Jesus to go to the cross, right? But he had such a relationship with the Father that 
he could call for the father to do something that was actually against the father's will. He said he would send 12 legions of angels to deliver me. Jesus said he would do that. And if Jesus had asked for 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him, the father would have sent them. Even though the father wanted him to go to the cross. But if Jesus had said, Father, I just can't go through with this. Can you send those angels? Father would have dispatched those angels at that moment. Now, thank God he didn't do that. Praise God. But I want, I want to say, I want you to realize the level to which the Father has committed this to you that Jesus said you can ask the Father whatever you will. Now, if you abide in him and his words abide in you, you're not going to ask the Father to do something that's against his will. Just like Jesus didn't. But, you see, some of us, if, if the Father did whatever we ask him to do, we get, our, we get in a whole lot of trouble. I mean, think about this. Did you realize that there are a lot of there are a lot of Christians that cuss? Do you know that? You know what what do people say that that we consider cussing? They are actually speaking curses on another individual. God, this to this person. What if you got whatever you asked? Hmm. What if you told another person where to go and it ain't heaven? What if you got what you said? What if you got whatever you asked? What I mean, you know, and those are a couple of, of very extreme examples. But people say stuff like that. Christians, believe it or not, Christians say stuff like that. I've heard it. You know. Maybe we need to grow up before we tap into the powers of the age to come. Maybe we need to get control of this thing in our mouth. Why? Because that thing in our mouth is how we function in the powers of the age to come. But if we can't control it, You know, we've, we've got a little growing to do here. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the fruit of the Spirit 
you don't have to try to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But you have to remain in the vine. You have to remain in the vine. Now, you know, you don't try to work for this. You don't, you don't try to work harder to get fruit operating in your life, but you need to remain in the vine. You need to, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you're going to bear much fruit. And when you bear much fruit, then Father is glorified, and you can ask him whatever you will. Praise God. Praise God. Now, John chapter 14, verse 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Praise God. Now, th think about this for a minute. Jesus is the Son of God, right? Everybody agree with that? Jesus is the Son of God? But the Bible says that He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn among many brethren. So if you are a brethren born of God, what does that make you? His Spirit bears witness with us that we are sons of God. I didn't say you're Jesus. You know, he's the firstborn. You can never be the firstborn. But you could be the second or the third or the fourth or, you know, down the line somewhere. But he says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You realize the Father can be glorified in you? He can be glorified in you. And, and then when the Father is glorified in you, why? Because you are looking like Him. Because you are behaving like Him. Because the, His life is showing up in you. Praise God. Then the Father opens the checkbook to you, so to speak. Praise God. Praise God. Do you realize why you have been left here after you got saved? Well, it wasn't time yet. Well, that's, that's really not entirely the, the whole issue. Why you were left here after you were saved. God saved you. Wouldn't it have been, I mean, my goodness, got saved, just going to heaven and not have to deal with this mess down here. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Except, do you realize that when you get to heaven, 
you will never reach another unsaved person? Never? Because there won't be any unsaved people there. Do you realize that you will never minister healing to another person? Why? Because there's nobody sick there. Do you realize that you will, you know, there's so much that you will never be able to do once you get to heaven. So, you know, I was reminded of the words of the Apostle John when he, in, in the book of Revelation, the, right at the end of the book of Revelation, he says, the Lord says to him, he says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. And John says, Even so, Lord Jesus, come. John left out a word. Jesus said, I come quickly. John said, Come. He didn't, John did not say, Come quickly. And I was thinking about why did John not say, I mean, the Lord said, I come quickly. But why did John not say, come quickly? I hear Christians say that a lot. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Because John knew there was a job to do here before Jesus comes. So he's agreeing with the Lord. Well, Lord, when, when it's time, go ahead and come. I, I welcome you. But he wasn't so eager to say, Come quickly because he knew there was a big job to do. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like, you know, Paul said this. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. John knew that for him, for Jesus to come would be gain for him. Won't it be wonderful there having no burdens to bear? You know, I mean, isn't it going to be wonderful when we all enter into the direct presence of the Lord in heaven? Isn't that going to be a wonderful thing? But if the fruit of the Spirit is operating in your life, if the fruit of love is operating in your life and you love the people around you and you know that once you're gone, you no longer have an opportunity to reach them, couldn't you say, you know, there, there was an old song that I used to hear when I was a kid growing up. Uh, you know, my daddy had some um, vinyl record albums of some pretty redneck singers. And, uh, you know, and, and one of the songs was, Wait a Little Longer, Please Jesus. You know, there are so many wandering out in sin. Wait a little longer, please, Jesus, just a little more time to get our loved ones in. Now, that's a heart. Yeah, it was a redneck song, but it was a, it was a heart of, of uh, compassion and love for the lost. 
I mean, to, to say, you know, Jesus, come quickly, get me out of this mess, that's selfish. That's selfish. You know, I'm ready. I, I'm, a, I'm good whenever Jesus gets ready to come. But I'm not in a hurry because there's so many to reach. Praise God. Praise God. You know, Wednesday morning before the sun comes up, I will be on a Skype call to Pakistan. And there will be people that will accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior Wednesday morning in Pakistan. But what if Jesus comes Tuesday? All those people that would have been reached on Wednesday wouldn't be reached. So you, you understand what I'm saying. When the fruit of the Spirit is working in our life, it ceases to be just about me. It ceases to be just about my needs being met. It ceases to be about making me look good. It ceases to be all about that. And, I, man, I, how did I preach this long? We've got a world that needs to be reached for Jesus. Praise God. If you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, right now I want to invite you to receive Jesus into your life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're sitting in this room, or if you're watching me online, in either case, I want you to pray this with me right now. And if you have never prayed this before, but you pray this and you mean what you're saying, then the moment we say amen at the end of this, the Bible says that you will be saved. You will pass from death unto life. Praise God. So let's pray this together. Say with me, Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid for my sins, and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today I choose Jesus. I receive you, Lord Jesus, as my personal Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Move on the inside of me and begin to change me from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. 
once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 